Richard, Sicily, 2.0. We cover all crime. I am, as always, the great your host, the great white snark, Scotty J. And across from me is the lovely and twisted Monica. Hi. This is what, take three? I th- it might be five. <laughs> well, we were recording last night. We had um technical issues on Monica's end. You know, she she would like wink out and come back in, and her audio was cutting up. And you were fine, and then you were freezing up. and Right. We just had audio. I mean, I was waiting for the little green men to come and give me my super jammies, like uh, Ralph Hinckley on The Greatest American Hero. But I've been waiting for that since I was in the third grade. It ain't happened yet. Nope. Give me me my super jammies, damn it. So we are trying this again. (laughs) Let's see if this is going to work. Hopefully. <laughs> if not, I'm hiring a Chinese kid. <laughs> yeah, I'm not continuing on with that because it, the way I'm feeling right now, is it's going to go down a, a road that we don't need to go down. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I got to, like, after we get, you know, stop recording, I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so. Okay, we're going on with part four of David Koresh. If you remember last week, uh, David took over Mount Carmel, decided he was having sex with all the women, and was going to bring about the uh, the end times with Babylon approaching. That's that's the Reader's Digest version of what happened so far. For those of you who can remember Reader's Digest. Yeah, do they still make that? Yeah, actually, I have um, a subscription. Okay, because I didn't know if they still made Reader's Digest or not. Yeah, yeah, it's actually it's probably it's probably partially where I get interested in disasters because I remember right. my grandparents the drama in real life. So this is like every like every issue there was like a new disaster story to read. Yeah. Uh huh. So I'm sure that's partially where it came from. Oh, before we continue on, I was watching a little clip of an old Jerry Springer episode and they had this guy on called the hillbilly ninja and he was living in a trailer park mm-hmm. and he said this sign a couple down from his trailer said the church of crystal meth <laughs> <laughs> i was like okay why the hell not uh-huh that's funny uh, he was going to start a church to judge Judy. He was going to call it Judaism. Yeah. And Jerry just stood back there and was just like, did he really say that? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, he did. He, he said it. I'm going to see if I can find that clip and see if I can get that part converted and put it at the end of the show. Yeah. Because I'm sorry, that, that just had me laughing. Or at least shared on the Facebook page. Right. Oh, um. God. That was so funny. All right. In 1992, 
A UPS driver reported a strange package he delivered to the Branch Davidian fix-it shop. Now, the, the box had opened, and the driver noticed that it contained 50 empty hand grenade shells called husks. I see what Koresh would do is, like, he'd order this stuff and have it sent out there to the... Um, to the to the garage where they were fixing cars, like anybody would figure that one out, you know. So he following the procedure, he, the driver called contacted the police. Well, the police this is above their pay grade, so they contacted the ATF, and the ATF sent da- agent Davy Aguilera to investigate. Now this was back when uh, the ATF didn't have a lot of people on staff. So usually if uh, if an agent was sent out to investigate, he was doing all the uh, legwork until, you know, they could get a search warrant and all that fun stuff. Now, looking into the deliveries, Aguilera found a delivery of black powder, which he believed was enough for an investigation. So on June 9th, the UPS driver reported that he had another delivery for the repair shop. The delivery was 60 ammunition magazines for the M16 and AR-15 rifles. Davey began to look into the transactions that Koresh was engaged in. Now, beginning with the neighbors, because if anyone was watching you in, in your neighborhood, it, it's your neighbors. Robert Cervenka, hope I'm saying that right. He said around January of 92, he began hearing gunfire on the Mount Carmel property. After speaking to the police, Aguilera was given some aerial pictures of the Mount Carmel property. On July 30th, his investigation led him to the gun shop of Henry McMahon. When I first read this, I wondered if he was uh, Vincent's cousin, you know, getting hooked up with some free tickets to wrestling events in, uh, what was the closest city to him, Austin? Dallas? Sorry, I like muted myself so I wouldn't be hearing everything. But <laughs> I think, um, I want to say Austin. Austin. Yeah, I think it was I Austin. Say, I want to uh-huh. say, because I know, I know in, in reading the book, they a lot of it went through, um, a lot of this went through either the Austin or Dallas office. Yeah, thank but I think Austin was the closest. Yeah, because I would say, but with Baylor, but that's actually Waco. Yeah. So I'm not, well, I mean the big, the, 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 up, yeah. the the biggest, you know, the largest know. city. Yeah, Wake. Uh, the way I'm looking at this, Waco was probably protected by Andy and Barney. You know. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I knew about Wake. Well, you know, all this with. You know, wake out slash crash before I knew about the university. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, wow. That's every time I hear of Baylor, I was saying crash. So, well, it, you know, it, it, it's weird. It's like when a lot of this was going on, I was still in Greece. You know, I didn't even, you know, I mean, I would talk to my family, but we didn't know what all this was going on until the siege happened. Oh, well, which the February 28th, though? Um, well, what when they I found out really because it was all you know, like on the news, though. Yeah, well, I really didn't watch the news too much in Greece. I guess it was harder too, even back then. Um, back then, about the only thing that we really got 
um, news-wise was like CNN. Yeah. Well, it's like when I was in Russia with, you know, my parents back in 95, we used to watch David Letterman. Like, it was just, you know, we were Letterman house. Got to Moscow, there was no Letterman. There was Leno. That's when we switched over to Leno. Mm. Was that so? But yeah, I'm sure it's the same. Especially that was three years earlier too. So right, and I mean, it. I know like like American stuff. Yeah, I can remember some Greek stations getting like Tiny Tunes with Greek subtitles. (laughs) That's awesome. It was, but news-wise on base, we got CNN. So you know, it it was just whatever CNN. yeah, yeah, they were the only deal in town anyway. Right, and, and it was a lot of what CNN was covering, and I don't really, towards the end of 92, I really don't remember a lot of this being covered. Like, I didn't know this was going on until I had the news on, one, or the TV on one day, and they cut in from whatever the hell I was watching with, with you know, the, the fire and everything. Oh, yes, that was already a couple months after anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So Henry kept a record of all of David's uh, transactions. As McMahon explained it, correctionist people did the modifications and Henry sold them because the Branch Davidians didn't have license to sell guns. At, at the time of the investigation, the Branch Davidians had sold about half a dozen guns. The ATF notified McMahon that if anyone had sold more than 50 weapons, they were liable for an 11% federal income tax or federal tax added. Well, considering that this is Texas and how they feel about the government on a good day, McMahon called Crush to break off the deal. While he had Crush on the phone, he told Crush that the ATF was there asking questions. So Crush being a nice guy, he divided, invited the agent out at Mount Carmel, but David declined. First, he didn't want Crush knowing what he was asking about. Two, he didn't want Crush to hide any weapons that may be on the property. And all important, number three, Davey needed a search warrant to make this all legal. Because if he would have, if he would have gone in and found weapons without a search warrant, that's inadmissible in a court of law, folks. I've watched enough Law and Order SVU. I know what's going on. In December of 1992, Davy began interviewing actual people, not just neighbors and business people, but, you know, actual people. Searching through the paperwork, he saw a Child Protective Service investigation into the Branch Davidians. He talked to CPS agent Joyce Sparks. Now, Joyce let Davy know that a seven or eight-year-old child told her that the adults had guns in practice with them. Because trust me, if you want anyone to know what your business is, you ask a child. They will tell you everything. A- ask my five-year-old nephew, Matt. He will tell you everything about his dad. Especially that his last girlfriend was old, ugly, and loud. Matt, Matt's words, not mine. <laughs> I love my nephews. So then Davey then traveled to Laverne, California and talked to Robin Buns. Robin revealed that Koresh made them watch Vietnam movies and called them training videos. He was also a big, um, I want to say Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger fan. So 
whenever it was movie night, they watched Schwarzenegger films. Run to the chopper. Yeah. I mean, Schwarzenegger had some good movies back in the day. Well, yeah. So did Stallone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were um I was like like I was like true lies, but yeah, they were dead a couple of years before that one or so. Um uh, yeah. Well, I'm thinking like Terminator. Oh well, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Predator. Yeah, but for that, um, like, yeah, they missed true lies. Oh, so so sad. They missed kindergarten cop. Yeah, they did. That was 90. That's all okay. Okay. Uh commando. That wasn't in the eighties. Yeah, Commando was in the eighties. Okay, yeah, so they didn't miss that. Okay. Yeah, that was with Ray Dong Chong. Yeah. Uh, she also informed Davy that armed guards walked around the property and Crush slept with a gun under his pillow. Robin's mother added that she had target practice with an AK forty-seven. Nice. I wonder what she. I wonder what she did. With, you know what her accuracy was with with the AK. Now, Robin's mother dropped the bombshell. Koresh had fathered 15 children with women in the Branch Davidians, some as young as 11. Well, she knew because she delivered some of them. Hey, asked the, asked the midwife. Now, with this information backed up by others on the violations that Koresh was breaking, he felt he had enough for a search warrant. He contacted Mark Brault, and Mark Brault just kind of informed everything and sealed the deal. To gather information, the ATF installed poll cameras, but as we all know, they they like to break down. That's when you get them trail cameras. No, they didn't have the trail cameras back then. Because those stuff run on a little SD card. So they decided to use undercover agents. On January 11th, 1993, as I was probably sitting down having something to eat, because I was home, eight men moved into the house across the street. The ATF believed that they had the element of surprise, but eh, of course, Koresh kind of knew who they that they were with the government. He didn't know they were ATF agents. He just thought they were from immigration and naturalization. <laughs> Wrong agency there, bud. So because he believed that they were from INS, he ordered all the foreign members to stay inside permanently. Uh, anyone not American? Lord told me y'all have to stay inside now. Yeah, I, I know some of you pale-skinned British people. that This will suit y'all just fine. Texas sun kind of burns you there. Now, to help throw off the scent, the ATF agents threw a party and invited the British Davidians. And I think they got... Yeah, I think that this is where they got the women from, like, Dallas or Austin brand offices to come down to kind of help blend in. But they really couldn't blend in because their haircuts gave it away that they were federal agents. They don't. You they know, come from, like, even, were, like, wigs are too obvious back then. Well, right. I mean, you want to see, you want to see a movie that's got some bad, bad facial hair. Um. Get Gettysburg. Okay. Because uh, Tom Berenger plays uh, General James Longstreet in the movie. Uh-huh. His beard looks atrocious. And I and I know Ted Turner f- helped finance this thing. Come on, Ted. You could do better than that. 
everybody's beards in that one. Even Martin Sheen was playing Robert Duvall, which with a sucky southern accent had a shitty beard. God damn, Martin Sheen. I had such respect for you until you did that movie. Fucking Robert Duvall did better in Gods and Generals. And you play Brendan's dad in would, his first movie. It was a TV movie. Oh, I was going to say, you see no man? Thing. What? Gonna, no, gonna... a couple names. Presumed guilty is like. Okay. Yeah, but say, it wasn't Encino Man. No. <laughs> oh, buddy. The ATF wanted helicopters for the raid, but they were turned down since there was no evidence of a drug lab on the premises. Because it's usually inside. Right. You know, yeah. no one's going to cook meth outside like at the <laughs> barbecue grill. Yeah. After talking to the police, the ATF knew at one time there had been a meth lab. Using, there you go, infrared ray, radar, the helicopters found a hot spot in the compound they believed was a meth lab. Because, of course, so they, you're going to cook it in yeah. there. Yeah. So, based on this evidence, the ATF got the use of National Guard helicopters for the raid. The ATF and FBI had a basic idea of the building layout, but they needed to know what was on the inside. One of the undercover agents tried to gain access on January 27th, but was turned down. One agent, Robert Rodriguez, started talking to the Branch Davidians and David Koresh when they were outside. Now, if you, if you guys have seen like um, the, the Waco show we keep talking about, I believe Robert Rodriguez is played by uh, John Leguizamo. Yeah, he is. And he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. I gotta find his Summer of Sam again because that was a good movie. I am, yeah. Same good movie. Yep. Okay. He slowly gained their trust and was invited inside for a Bible study. Woo! Rodriguez. Koresh still believed he was with INS and had invited him to attend. A target practice session. Once he was done, he reported everything he saw to his superiors. You know he did. With everything they had gathered, the raid was set for March 1st. Agents were sent to Fort Hood to train. The plan was to use horse trailers to get close to the building. And once the word showtime was given, the agents would exit the trailers and execute the search warrant. The ATF believed they had the element of surprise on their side. But something happened that changed their plans. On February 28th, the local Waco newspaper ran a story called The Sinful Messiah. The article focused on Koresh and his affairs with young girls in the compound and his fathering children with them. The ATF believed that this would ruin their chances for the raid. The ATF had no choice but to move the raid up. The only problem was the Waco media knew the agents were in town and that the raid was going to happen. So with the element of surprise gone, or so they believed, the agents got their gear on, climbed into the horse trailers, and drove out to Mount Carmel. And, yeah, this was a short one, but we had to at least get the uh, the, the government involved into this with the planning for the raid. So we pick up the story next week. It's going to be the raid and the siege. 
Yeah, shortest one we've had and took like the longest to actually get done. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is when I, I usually do the, the notes and everything on my weekends off. So when I sit on like Saturday and Sunday and scribble out my notes, I'll go so far and I'll, I'll take a look and go. And I'll cut it here. Yeah. And I, you know, it, I got to remember to follow that plan when I start class next month. But then I, (laughs) well, I mean, I'll still get everything done because I usually, um, I usually do notes Saturday, Sunday, type either Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. So I can get it to you by Wednesday so that we're set to go on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank God for all that TV training I had in, in undergrad. Yep. Oh, man. It would come in handy. You, you know, and, and that's the amazing thing is they taught us how to write like the TV script that we were using uh-huh. and I can do it, but I can also type a movie script too, mm-hmm. screenplay. So, you know, and I took, I've taken a journalism class. So I've got different styles of type of script writing and stuff that I can do. Not to toot my own horn or anything. Toot toot. Oh uh, uh, no, I, I got like a jazz band playing oh, okay sorry wrong one hey when i when i want to toot my horn man i'll get the jazz band queued up <laughs> get some dizzy gillespie going there you know mm-hmm. all right we're gonna wrap it up you know where to find us spotify and apple Podcasts. i had to stop and think on that one the facebook page join us there and for killers cults and nut jobs i'm scotty J. say good night monica good night monica